This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. We would like to take this opportunity uh, to welcome Governor Phil Bryant. Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. And before becoming the state's chief executive, Bryant was lieutenant governor, state auditor, and representative, and represented his legislative district in the Mississippi House of Representatives for five years. As governor, the Honorable Phil Bryant led Mississippi in implementing transformational public educational reforms, promoting economic development, advancing strategic missions, and building a competitive business climate that attracted major employers like Yokohama Tire Corporation, Amazon, and Continental Tire. And according to published reports, I quote, under Governor Bryant's administration, 80,000 jobs were created and some $7 billion in private investment were brought into the state of Mississippi, unquote. Governor Bryant serves on the Executive Advisory Board of International Leaders Summit and is spearheading efforts at Brian Sanji Snell Global Partners, where he provides strategic advice and counsel and business development services to some of the world's largest industry leaders. And with this introduction, we welcome to the floor Governor Phil Bryant. Joel, thank you so much. Good morning, Natasha. Good morning, Governor Brian. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. Wonderful. Just will I be catching a plane this afternoon to Washington, D.C. And, uh, and attending a meeting tomorrow at 1030 at the White House with the president and the 1776 commission, which he has graciously asked me to be a part of, uh, a commission that I hope will put together a new agenda for our educational systems that will teach the founding of America, the greatness of America, the independence of America, America's place among the leaders of the world. So I look forward to being at the White House once again, particularly uh, during this Christmas season and having an opportunity to interact with President Trump for a short period of time. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about this morning of the role of governors, the role of state leaders. When I, I, I was lieutenant governor was my first experience with beginning to travel. I traveled, obviously, prior to that, the private sector, attending a, the International Leadership Congress in Tokyo and Okinawa in 1986, where we actually uh, had an opportunity to go and, and meet then the Crown Prince of Japan at the uh, Imperial Palace. Quite a, a, an experience for a young man, but it, it offered me the opportunity to see the world to realizing the opportunities we had. In 1986, Japan was really just beginning to open to the West. Literally, as I was there in Tokyo, if you had a pair of Ray-Bans or a pair of Levi's on, everyone would stop and look. They were so amazed because they couldn't get those products. And I think it helped as we began to negotiate when I was state auditor with Nissan to bring their largest plant in North America to Canton, Mississippi. I often tell people not to Canton, China, 
but to Canton, Mississippi. It's still there. It's producing seven different, I think, maybe eight different models now for the Nissan Corporation. Our first big project in Mississippi. And now as we see Toyota there in Tupelo, Mississippi, there's a Corolla that runs off the assembly line every 76 seconds in Blue Springs, Mississippi. You mentioned Continental Tire, which was the largest economic development project in the Southeast, I believe in 2017. It was the key for for Continental Tire to come to America, uh, their largest plant in Continental's universe. I realized then that the traveling internationally, the international relations that we had built while I was Lieutenant Governor, first trip to China. So I began to see the world of the Chinese businessmen. And literally, it was only Chinese businessmen in those days and and how we were very cautious about the interaction. I'll talk a little bit about that further at the close of my remarks. But I realized that the entire world was a market for Mississippi, and so do other governors. It seemed as if, as I was traveling to 32 different nations, I was reminded by one of my staff members just this week, I was I was saying that I, I believe that we went to six different nations my last year's governor. He said we went to four in two months. It was a busy time, but 32 different nations, five continents. Uh, I've missed Australia, um, and I hope to, to make it there in the Antarctic, and I'm not so sure about the last one, but if there's business there, we, we can go the state of Mississippi grew its exports. If you can imagine this number, over the last decade, two years I was lieutenant governor, eight years I was governor, by 249%. Remarkable numbers of exporting products from the state of Mississippi through two of our deep water ports, 15 ports established across the state, our international port at Gulfport, exports 249%. That's real products grown, manufactured here in the state of Mississippi and shipped around the world. I had a remarkable opportunity of working with our State Department, Secretary Pompeo. We developed a very close relationship. Uh, Secretary Wilbur Ross, a dear friend, I attended and spoke at Select USA for the last two years I was governor. Uh, What a remarkable opportunity Secretary Ross has put together for the entire world to come to Washington, D.C. at Select USA. I look forward again to attending that in the future. Traveling to such wonderful places as Taiwan, meeting with a Taiwanese president there, then actually going on to Hong Kong, which which caused a little bit of a stir. I remember getting calls from our State Department uh, and saying that the uh, that China had made a formal, well, they had uh, opposed my visit to Hong Kong at that time and Taiwan. That was fine. We, uh, we've been opposed and pushing forward before. Uh, visiting Africa, Togo, meeting the president there, Ubakistan. We have a relationship with Ubakistan where our National Guard trains all of the special forces in Ubakistan. So that extended then, of course, to a business relationship where we have now our growers in Ubakistan working in the cotton and corn industry. Taiwan, after our visits there, ordered 50 tons of corn and 50 tons of soybeans. So our farmers were uh, ecstatic about our new relationships there. Now, Joe, Natasha, you know about our great relationships with Israel, four different visits there. Mm-hmm. On three of those occasions, I, I had the wonderful uh, experience of meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu. 
talking about the relationships that we were building with the Trump administration. My dear friend Jared Kushner, as he continues to reach out, moving the embassy uh, to Jerusalem. I treasure the day that I had the opportunity to visit the new embassy there in Jerusalem. But now each year, each year I was governor for the last four years, we had a U.S.-Israeli business summit where Israeli leaders came to Biloxi, Mississippi. I attended each year, including the Tel Aviv Leadership Summit, speaking there. So we have tremendous business relationships there uh, in Israel and look forward to growing them even more. Uh, Great Britain. I realized that we had somehow overlooked Great Britain when we were looking at all of the world for trading. So we went there. I met with Prince Charles, met with members of uh, the parliament. I began and have chaired the Royal Commonwealth Society USA for the last four years. So there's a strong relationship. We watched as Brexit is continuing to evolve and how that will affect us in the Middle East with Abraham Accord. What a remarkable job this president and Secretary Pompeo, and again, Jared Kushner, who my good friend uh, loves to stay in the background as he helps do these remarkable things of helping bring literally peace in the Middle East. And at this time of peace, it's this Christmas season, we reflect on the olden days. And and as it was written long ago, uh, that we will have peace among men and goodwill towards all. So we live those terms as we watch Israel and the UAE come together, and then later Bahrain and Sudan, and just recently Morocco, just a large, important Arab nation in Africa meeting now and, and signing agreements as the Abraham Accord is extended uh, to those wonderful nations. I think removing our military to some extent from Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan and Kabul in April of 2016. That was quite a a tenuous time to visit Kabul, but I did so, um, and I wanted to see our troops, and I wanted to hear on the ground the conditions there in Afghanistan. You'll see uh, that that nation, I think, begin to expand. Uzbekistan is now putting a rail system through Afghanistan to reach a port. If those relationships can grow and we can get more business, particularly free market system into Afghanistan, into the Middle East, look at at what we've been able to do helping our friends in Israel. Uh, And the rest of the the Middle East can be as much as I was, uh, again, in Saudi Arabia in 2017, meeting with the Crown Prince, developing those close relationships with the Saudis uh, and seeing the modernization of that great country and what that is going to do as the crown prince seeks to to bring his nation more into the modern, I believe, the modern age uh, and being more diverse and giving, for example, more freedoms to the women of Saudi Arabia. So we look to the future now, what the Biden administration, in fact, there is a Biden administration, what that will look like without a Secretary Pompeo, without uh, peace through strength that this president has pushed forward, without continuing the Abraham Accord, perhaps, and then, of course, China, uh, the biggest player of all in all our international markets and trades. What will happen in China? Uh, What will that relationship look like? Is it a threat? Uh, Certainly, it is the greatest challenge that the United States now has. Uh, I've worked with the State Department you know, many instances related to the Chinese that are here uh, in the United States, we see them now 
continue to try to compromise our political figures. Very troubling. So hopefully we will have to work uh, through all of those difficulties with China and hopefully continue to grow our energy independence. We sometimes overlook how important that energy independence has been, how the United States and others, now that we're exporting natural gas, now that we can help the Taiwanese, now that we can help the Caribbean, and even talking as we send uh, products, wood products, in the form of chips for uh, energy consumption to Great Britain and and the European Union, how can we help those countries become more energy independent It is a key always to economic development. It has changed the entire dynamic in the United States, and we hope we can share that with the rest of the world. So thank you. I'm trying to be ever mindful of my time, um, and I appreciate so much the opportunity of coming and being involved in this International Leadership Summit and America's Roundtable is doing remarkable things as we grow. I enjoy very much co-hosting and being a, a guest uh, on America's Roundtable and trying to bring that word of conservative international leadership to the world. Uh, Governor Bryan, could the USMCA, the U.S.-Mexico and Canada trade agreement be used as a potential template or provide the proper framework for future trade agreements, such as the U.S.-U.K. and U.S.-India potential trade agreement with the defined goal to achieve fairer, more reciprocal trade as stated and carved out by President Donald Trump? Oh, absolutely. If you look at that, the the Mexican-Canadian agreement, what a historic decision that was by all of those leaders. I remember working with our ambassador in Canada at that particular time and and helping as we might because uh, Canada is one of our largest trading partners, obviously in the United States and again here in Mississippi. But to be able to get that agreement, that January 29th of 2020 was so critical to us. They are our neighbors particularly Canada, which sometimes there is a perception of disagreement, but that usually has to deal with hockey. So uh, other than that, we all get along very well with our friends in Canada. And the president has announced that that could create some 600,000 jobs, $235 billion of economic activity. The challenges that we had with Mexico with the border are, are, are getting better by the day. And And much of that is because of that relationship that we have with our our uh, U.S.-Mexican-Canadian agreement. When you can do business with each other, when you are uh, exchanging goods and services, when you are growing the economy and growing jobs, it seems as if the other challenges begin to be solved. So Mexico and its leaders have been forthcoming in dealing with the drug issues that we see, the problems that are occurring along the borders with illegal immigration. If we can expand this to, for example, Great Britain, and I've been there perhaps five or six times, and each time I talk to members of parliament, uh, each time I, when I go to the leadership council with the Royal Commonwealth Society, it is all about that trade agreement. When can Great Britain expect a trade agreement? And, and it is important. It, it is critical. But Governors can continue. We are independent, if you will. We're 50 small countries. And as I tell them, our trade agreement is if you want to deal with Mississippi or now, as I have a firm that uh, works internationally, if you want to deal with any state in the United States, it is a relationship that you have between leaders. 
CEO to CEO, when I went to Continental Tire and met with the CEO there at Continental Tire, uh, when I went to uh, uh, Tokyo and met with Dr. Toyota uh, recently, and to talk about the history of Toyota automobiles and how that looked. It is that CEO to CEO, the governor and heads of large corporations that are in these countries that eventually can make that relationship grow. Indeed. Um, in fact, uh, Governor Bryant, you've been a leading advocate for trade. We've seen you in action in Israel, in Jerusalem, as you brought a delegation of business leaders uh, and uh, witnessing the important work that you've done in the Middle East uh, is certainly bringing success not only to Mississippi, but to the United States of America. And Governor Bryant, as we look at the Abram Accords and the economic opportunities that may uh, be forthcoming, what would be your message to entrepreneurs, specifically small and medium-sized enterprises? And we know that 75% of Mississippi exporters are small and medium-sized enterprises. And as they contemplate tapping into the growing international markets, uh, what would you say to them? as they would like to export to Israel and the Middle East Gulf states. Go there, travel, <laughs> go buy your ticket, start relationships, work to the State Department, our State Department. Now, each embassy has a commerce division. Reach out to them. They are very helpful. Now, at every meeting, whenever I would travel, the first stop would be our embassy, whether it was an ambassador, Chargé d'Affaires, head of the Commerce Division within that embassy, particularly in Israel. I would say start with Israel if you're going to the Middle East. Start with that startup nation. Go there. Find out. And you can't do it in just one visit. You can't do it reading briefing papers. Uh, go and meet the leadership. Go to Jerusalem. Go to Tel Aviv. Be a part of the next meeting of the international leadership conferences that are there. Go to the universities. And then there is nowhere you can't go. When I began to uh, talk about going to Afghanistan, I was, obviously there was some great concern among my staff. And, and we said we are going to go. And then traveling again there to the UAE, uh, just as I left Saudi Arabia over to the UAE. And, and, and because then you get, as you go to Israel, Saudi Arabia, and UAE, you really get the entire flavor of what the Middle East looks like and add Afghanistan to it. And you really begin to learn the culture and how different the culture can be, not only from nation to nation, but region within the nation to other region within the nation. The political dynamics that exist in Israel, for example, are very challenging. When I was there last, there was a challenge to Netanyahu. It was literally the the, the week that I was there, and y'all may have been there with me, there were, there were challenges as whether uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu would would survive the week as PM. There's a great deal of learning and research, but also it's important, take corporations and companies, small businesses with you. When we went with a prime minister, when we go to the embassies, I have CEOs and presidents of corporations. I have small business people. I have the head of the Mississippi Farm Bureau with me in Taiwan. So make sure it is a trade mission where you have not just elected officials, not just members of parliament or members of Congress or members of your legislative delegation, businessmen and women. Let them talk one upon another. We were in Israel and I literally had now, one of my corporations here in Mississippi make an offer to an Israeli company to buy it. 
He wanted to go. He said, I want the whole, what, what will it take? And they were negotiating a, a joint venture when we, uh, we left there that day. So travel, get on that plane, fly those 16 hours, freshen up quickly and get to your first meeting. These are, uh, I remember taking the first lady on, on one or two and because she was working in, in with the hospitals in some of the countries and healthcare. She'd been a healthcare uh, in, in the healthcare providing industry for 38 years. And she came back and said, I'm not going on another one. We never stopped. We only got to look out the windows. We were uh, in, in these wonderful countries to, to see what they look like. But it is hard work. Don't think it's going to only be fancy dinners and photo opportunities, but the hard work pays off. On the eve of our Jerusalem Leaders Summit, we had a conversation with you, providing you with an update that there were some 500 rockets coming in from Gaza into southern Israel. And I recall you mentioning on the phone uh, with us that there is no better place to be than in Israel at that moment. And within a day, you were there with us. So we appreciate your courage and your bravery uh, in being with us and your principal leadership. And in this final question on the Abram Accords, uh, Governor Bryant, uh, we have really seen how peace through strength is making a difference in the region. Israel is now a in a situation where it's opening up its uh, unique trading opportunities with Bahrain, Morocco, Sudan, and the UAE. However, we are noticing a uh, initiative from politicians in the United States to basically get closer to Iran. What is your message to politicians in America and their renewed interest in courting Iran, a state sponsor of terrorism, which continues to create mayhem in the Middle East, specifically targeting Israel and those within the Gulf states? Well, it is difficult to understand. They are not a trading partner, uh, Iran. They are not a friend. They do not want to establish relationships. They want to dominate the Middle East. They believe that they can do so through terrorism, through power, through nuclear weapons, I, I believe. I just simply do not um, understand why some in our government uh, believe it is so critical to have these type of close relationships with a terrorist state. And that's exactly what Iran is, the Iran Accord. Now, if someone could convince me that through this this common accord, we will control uh, nuclear proliferation, then I would be glad to listen. But I have listened, I have read, I have researched. That just does not occur. This is the other thing about international relations. To have those good international relations, you have to have fair, honest, and transparent personal relations. So you have to be able to trust the leaderships that you are dealing with. And, and when they are chanting consistently leading the charge of destroying America, that threat uh, down with America now, how can you work uh, on a fair and honest relationship with people who want to destroy your nation? Uh, this reminds me again of the pacism of World War II, uh, where leaders were literally going uh, to meeting Adolf Hitler and saying, mate, perhaps we can get along. Germany is a center of arts, a center of culture. And, and there was an evil thread weaving its way uh, through the culture of Germany now and, and imperialistic Japan. And I'm not saying there is a total comparison, but it, 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 the relationship of knowing there is a threat, 
not wanting to seem to face it and believing that goodwill on our part, our part alone, may may somehow turn the hearts of the people that lead um, Iran that continue to believe that Israel must be destroyed. They, they would tell you today that is a common reality and basis, in fact, of their country's goals is to destroy Israel, to destroy that nation. And by that, it destroyed what many used to refer is to the new uh, Jerusalem, the United States, to destroy these free enterprise, democratic, in large part here in the United States, Christian nations. And yet we reach out a hand. It is it is troubling, troubling. This president, President Trump, as President Reagan did, uh, realized that peace through strength, making sure that we continue to support our friends in Israel, support our friends uh, in Saudi Arabia. I have great hope. Although there are challenges, deep challenges there, we still have hope there. Now, Sudan, Morocco, uh, Bahrain, uh, reach out to the UAE. Uh, build those coalitions first. And then when you have strength through peace and those reliable partners with Israel leading, then uh, we can look at how we might bring total peace to the Middle East uh, and including uh, Iran, whether uh, they agree with it or not. Thank you so much indeed for joining us, Governor Phil Bryant, and we wish you uh, safe travels to Washington, D.C., and your time here in Washington with President Trump. Thank you for your principal leadership over the years and your continued work at the International Leaders Summit and as a guest co-host on America's Roundtable. Thank you, Governor Bryant. Thank you, Governor Bryant. Thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.